Biosecurity. What comes to mind when you hear that word? For some, it means hazmat suits, sterile environments, shower and in and out facilities, and quarantines. And you know, in the right context, that's absolutely true. However, for Canadian dairy, that's fortunately rarely the case. And in most cases, it's about finding practical strategies to limit the entry of new diseases and the spread of ones that may already be in the barn. It doesn't always have to be complex or time-consuming, but it is a key to sustainably maintaining happy, healthy, high-producing herds. Welcome to another episode of the Dairy Farmer of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for the Canadian dairy farmers. My name's Stephen Roach. I'm an epidemiologist with a passion for dairy cattle health and welfare. I did my master's and PhD trying to understand how farmers, their staff, and their advisors can work together as a team to improve. I'm part of a team that's working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. Our next discussion takes place with Dr. Herman Barkma, a veterinarian and researcher at the University of Calgary. Herman originally hails from the Netherlands and has worked with the dairy producers and organizations around the world. Much of his interest is focused on how to prevent infectious diseases in dairy cattle. I sat down with Herman to discuss his perspectives on why we should care about biosecurity, what farmers can do to minimize risk of infectious disease entry and spread throughout their herd, and where we're headed as an industry as a whole. So, let's jump in. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today and have a chance to chat with you a little bit about why biosecurity is important from a, a Canadian dairy farmer perspective. Uh, you've got an international and, and globally recognized research program that's looked at a lot of these things. And I think you've got a lot of important messages that we can help discuss and, and hopefully shed some light on for producers out there when they're looking at how they might go about imp implementing biosecurity practices on their farm. But like I said, more importantly, I really want to try and uncover that why. So thanks again for being here. Really appreciate it. Okay, great to be on your podcast, uh, Steve. Thank you. So, uh, Herman, you'll be a familiar name for, for some out there and, and for others that might not have had a chance to hear you speak or, or read some of the work you've done. Can you just give us a brief overview about yourself, your role in the Canadian dairy industry and, and I mean, the global industry as a whole and, and your experience with biosecurity? So I'm a prof at the University of Calgary, uh, prof in uh, epidemiology of infectious diseases. Um, I hold a research chair in uh, infectious diseases of uh, dairy cattle that is uh, for a big part funded uh, by the Canadian uh, dairy industry. Um, and I've worked in, uh, yeah, in dairy research for poo, uh, nearly 30 years now, um, which started in the Netherlands, but also in uh, Costa Rica and uh, Zimbabwe. And I came to uh, Canada in 2001 to uh, Prince Edward Island, at the Atlantic Veterinary College, uh, worked there for five years and then was asked to come to, uh, to Calgary to help build uh, the vet school uh, here in, uh, in Calgary. Um, I've always worked a lot with uh, dairy organizations. I, I often feel that I'm very much with the farmers. I often say that my 
research is for the farmers, with the farmers. So it's on-farm uh, research. And then I've also visited a lot of uh, of herds that uh, that have problems with uh, infectious diseases, and then particularly a focus on uh, mastitis and Joni's disease, and also lameness. Great. So you know we throw the term biosecurity around a lot. It's it's the answer or a part of the answer for the prevention and control of many diseases um, or most diseases that we experience on the farm. And over the years, you know, I've found people when we talk about the word biosecurity, people take that to mean many different things. Some people think of sort of the hazmat suits. We think of maybe some of the COVID nineteen situation that we're dealing with here, and people wearing masks and gloves and working in a sterile environment. Well, others think of biosecurity much more, much differently. Can you break the term down a little bit for us in the context of, of a farm or the Canadian dairy um, industry as a whole, Herman? What does biosecurity mean for, for Canadian dairy farmers? So biosecurity indeed should mean something different for, for every farmer because it is a prevention of transmission of diseases uh, that are important for your farm. And of course, we have the overall devastating uh, diseases like uh, foot and mouth disease uh, that we don't want to get uh, into Canada. Um, so, but we also, uh, it means uh, prevention of transmission of Staph aureus mastitis uh, in the, the milking parlor or uh, crypto from calf to calf, uh, so it, or digital dermatitis uh, from cow to cow. So it should also mean something different for every farmer because if you don't have digital dermatitis, then you don't uh, worry about prevention of digital dermatitis to go from cow to cow. But you worry about getting it into your herd. And so there are two levels of uh, of yeah of biosecurity. The one is the herd level, where you are free of certain diseases and don't want to get them into your herd. And the second one is prevention of the spread in your herd. And again, it's quite different if you think of biosecurity for a hoof disease than it is for another disease or for a respiratory disease. So it's really about tailoring, well, biosecurity needs to be tailored for each individual farm based on what they have and what they're potentially exposed to and want to prevent from it coming into the into the operation. Yes, it, uh, it, it is quite different yeah, uh, from Joni's disease, yeah, where the transmission from cow to, uh, to calf or from calf to calf is important, or uh, with a digital dermatitis, where it is from... Uh, cow to cow to uh, to manure in the alleys uh, or other ways of uh, of transmission. So it you know, but but the overall picture uh, uh, can be quite similar uh, because the one big risk factor for for getting diseases on your farm is is buying cows. Uh, I uh, yeah, I sometimes say uh, the diseases are bought and paid for. So the best way uh, to to not get diseases in is being careful with uh, with the animals that you uh, purchase, but it's also with the people that you get on your uh, on your farm, uh, the the people that go from farm to farm, like inseminators, veterinarians, uh, hoof trimmers, 
um, they have to be careful for yeah also for not bringing diseases to uh, to your herd and uh, you need to talk with them about it because it is your farm absolutely so before we dig into too many of the other details, I wanted to talk a little bit about about some of the reasons why we need to really focus in on biosecurity from a national level and at the farm level. Um, why should produ- producers care? Some of their some of the answers are obvious, but are there others that that we should be trying to communicate to producers and their staff on the farms about why we need to be diligent with biosecurity practices on a day in and day out basis? So these diseases cause all kind of problems. Yeah, um, so, you know, I only have to talk about mastitis and yeah, staph aureus, but also recently we got uh, more and more infections with mycoplasma in the herd. And that was because, uh, yeah, with the, the quota system uh, that we have, uh, with the, the, the price for, for fat, a lot of farms were able to expand because their quota expanded. And the only reason that they could do it was by purchasing animals. So uh, with that, animals came to the, the herd with diseases, and we see now outbreaks of mycoplasma. Mastitis is a disease that we yeah, never, no, hardly ever saw in, uh, in Canada. That was a disease of the south of, uh, of, of the U.S., so um, that there is a very good reason to to be concerned getting diseases in your herd. Uh, you you want to cut the prevention, or you want to work on the prevention as much as possible, um, because these diseases cause damage. Uh, they they cause reproductive problems. They cause lameness, uh, respiratory problems. We have many many. Uh, infectious diseases that on on the dairy farms, and we have not eradicated even one in in the last decades. We're getting new diseases all the time. And Salmonella Dublin is a one of the examples. Uh, we we now have problems, particularly in uh, in Quebec and also in, in the south of Ontario with uh, with Salmonella Dublin. And yeah, that's a disease you don't want to get. Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen that that firsthand, and it's certainly a nasty one. Um, and, yeah. and that, I, I guess, speaks a little bit to some of the issues we, we see, you know, and hear uh, everyone from veterinarians and other on-farm advisors to farmers talking about, which is complacency. You know, it's it, biosecurity is an easy thing to talk about, but it requires uh, habit. It requires a lot of uh, different and, and sometimes seemingly small and insignificant tasks to be done in a very specific way to prevent the transmission yeah. of bugs, you know, from place to place. And I guess when we think about the, the a little bit of the history of the Canadian dairy industry, we've been pretty fortunate to not have some of the more devastating diseases like you spoke about, foot and mouth disease, or, you know, we only need to look to hogs and poultry to see some of the devastating diseases they've had to deal with. Now, in in those uh, examples and, and dairy industries such as the UK, where they have to actually implement much more stricter and, and sometimes mandated biosecurity protocols to deal with some of these diseases, are we just fortunate in Canada to have not dealt with or, or been exposed to these type of, of diseases um, and it's it's possible at any point this could be brought in and, and that's why our producers need to be worried about it or is there something different with Canada that that when it comes to disease spread um, that producers need to know? I think we have been uh, been fortunate. Of course uh, our uh, dairy industry is not 
the density of farms is not as high uh, as in countries uh, like in Western Europe, uh, the Netherlands, yeah, where the neighbor of a farmer is a neighbor, of the neighbor of a farmer is a farmer, yeah, and uh, so we have quite some distance here. But you know, it, it's not only the dairy farms. Yeah, uh, dairy farms have cattle. And and beef farms also have cattle. So and then a lot of those diseases, uh, like foot and mouth disease, also affect swine. So we 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 I think we have been uh, been lucky with those large diseases. But we really need to be careful because it's not only the economic damage, the direct damage that these diseases do, but it's also what the public thinks of the dairy industry. Milk is seen as a healthy green product that that is produced by happy cows, and and we need to really really foster that 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 picture, and we cannot have uh, people uh, having the idea that they getting sick of of milk. And so we need to not only look at what diseases cause uh, economic problems directly to our farm, but also diseases like Joni's disease, like lepto, like salmonella, eh, that that can yeah, cause problems in people. Eh? We call that zoonotic diseases. And and then also we should not only think of the public, but we also see, should think of the our own families, ourselves and our own families, and the workers on the farm. If we have a problem with, problem with crypto in, uh, in, in, the, in the calves, we often see that the children of the, uh, on the farm also get sick. And that yeah, also, could also very well be the case with salmonella, for instance. I've seen the, the devastating effect of lepto, leptospirosis. And we, we don't pay a lot of attention to these diseases, but there's a, in the world a lot of farmers that got infected in the milking parlor with leptospirosis eh, because of the aerosol, the spray with urine that comes from the, from the cows, and they are incapacitated for the rest of their life. So, so we need, really need to be aware of the, of the risk that we have with those diseases. And because of that, particularly in Western uh, Europe, they made sure that those diseases got eradicated. And we hardly have any disease control programs in Canada. And I think that ProAction initiative is a great step in that direction with the biosecurity modules that we have. But in my opinion, we need to go further. And we need to start thinking of eradicating some of these diseases. And they don't only uh, are important for the aspects that I just raised, but for instance, also we export a lot of uh, heifers and and semen, and they, these are diseases that these buyers of our of our semen look at. So there are all kinds of reasons to be concerned about these diseases. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's a really nice summary, Herman. I mean, it touches on some of the personal reasons for for farmers to worry about it, such as, you know, worrying about the immediate animal health or health and welfare of their animals, the economics and and production of their operation. And, and, you know, we've seen from from other diseases in other countries, even like African swine fever, there's a lot of personal reputation, um, sort of the idea of being a good neighbor or being a good farmer that comes out when when we deal with these issues. But as you look through the supply chain, you know, it's a, it is also about protecting your other farmers, uh, you know, where you're selling other products to, uh, and, and certainly protecting our borders and our brand as a whole, which I think you, you summarize nicely there. You, you mentioned ProAction, and, and one thing I wanted to touch on with ProAction in the biosecurity module specifically is we see that right now the requirements in ProAction are very SOP-based. They're really focused on developing protocols with your veterinarian and then having those as, as training resources and, and a step-by-step guide on how to go about managing certain aspects of the farm when it comes to biosecurity. Can you talk about why we're so focused from an organizational perspective? Why does the Dairy Farmers of Canada and, and all of us here want farmers to be developing SOPs around biosecurity and what value do they bring and and why should producers take developing these and following how they develop them seriously? So um, these SOPs are, are, are have been developed by, by experts together with dairy farmers uh, to, to make them practical on, on the dairy farm. They're directed towards the diseases that we think are most important uh, to to prevent uh, getting in on a dairy farm and to prevent uh, to be spread on a dairy farm. And uh, you need standard operating procedures to do so. Of course, you need to uh, adapt them to your to your farm uh, and to the circumstances that you uh, that you have there. And so it is very important to discuss those with the with the veterinarian. Uh, but, um, yes, they are standard because there's a lot of thoughts that went uh, went into them. But they can they need to be modified sometimes for for your uh, for your farm. So um, I think it's important to to do these uh, kind of things on the on the dairy farms. But you also always need to keep in mind why are we doing this? What is the reason why we are implementing? these operating procedures. It's also because we want to be able to show what we do. We we are delivering a product in the dairy industry, and we want to show that we care about the quality of the product, and not only uh, you know, fat, protein content, but also about uh, not having uh, any risk for consumers in, uh, in those products. Yeah, I think that's a really nice point. I mean, and it really links back to some of the the first elements of our conversation about needing to tailor your your pr- protocols and your procedures and your overall biosecurity approach to what you have, what you're actively trying to prevent, and what you're act- actively trying to control on your farm. So it's a it's a guideline, but it's very meant very much meant to be tailored. Correct. Yeah. So one of the aspects that's not SOP based, there's really two of them in in ProAction right now for biosecurity, is is the importance of record keeping uh, for for certain conditions and conducting a, a risk assessment with your veterinarian. That's that really should be done routinely. I hear some producers express frustration or concern over the need to keep records. You know that simply that's a lot of extra work, a lot of extra paperwork is sort of the the challenge we often hear people talk about, and and we hear others wonder why they need to do more than one. Risk 
risk assessment. You know, when we did the Yoni's program uh, here in, in many provinces in Canada years ago, a lot of uh, folks adopted the the use of a Yoni's disease risk assessment. Here in ProAction, we have a, a more generic risk assessment, but they go through with their veterinarian. They highlight and discuss what's what's uh, maybe the important risk areas in their farm, and then most seem to think, okay, I've done that, and and then we've got that that covered. What are some of the reasons we want producers to continue to to you know follow up and, and revise that risk assessment and keep uh, fairly detailed records about what type of diseases they're experiencing and how they're going about treating those? So, you know, I, I would say that the, I often yeah or sometimes hear uh, that these are a lot of work. If you uh, if writing down the diseases, eh, the disease cases on your farm is a lot of work, then you have a whole lot of disease. If you, and, and, and then you should be worried. And then you should measure and you should find out in, in what groups uh, of animals this occurs. Is it more often in your heifers, more in your older cows, more in your early lactating animals or your later lactating animals? You need to be able to analyze that. And you can only do that when you write things down. And so it is important to to yeah to record diseases because if you don't write it down, you can never measure what you what you have. And also, if you then implement uh, management practices to 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 decrease the the, the incidence of these diseases, then you, you need those data because otherwise you can never measure whether it has an effect. Or if you don't record, you can never measure any progress that you that you have. And we also want to show, want to be able to show that we don't have that much disease to uh, to people that are looking over our shoulder. We may like it or not eh, that that people are concerned about animal welfare, although you know every dairy farmer is consult- concerned about welfare because you you like your cows and and, and you want them to be healthy. Eh, but there are also people looking over our shoulders uh, with that and and. And we also need to care because, for instance, the processors and uh, the the large uh, supermarket chains care about it. We need to be able to show that we don't have a lot of disease problems. So writing these things down is important. Yeah, I think that's a, a really nice summary. Again, I mean, it, it's not just about... about- knowing what you're dealing with, which is of course important. Um, it's a decision-making tool. And, and ultimately, like you say, it's also an evaluation tool. We can't, we can't know the impact of something if we haven't measured anything beforehand or, or once we've uh, implemented it. Yeah, correct. And so if we're doing these, so I guess if I follow that logic through and think about the use of risk assessments, is is the rationale behind asking producers to to work with their veterinarian uh, routinely to, to conduct risk assessments, whether it's every year or every other year, is, is that really just about trying to review everything and get a handle of how things have changed over that period of time? Is that really where the value of repeating this exercise goes? Now, your veterinarian is somebody who, who sees a lot of farms and and sees what uh, yeah what can be done on on farms and what is successful and what is not so the the veterinary practitioner is a an 
an ideal person to discuss these uh, risk assessments uh, with or these SOPs or whatever you implement on uh, on your farm or need to implement on the, on your farm and um, yeah pharmacy is as a farmer, you're sometimes a bit blind to to changes that slowly occur on a farm. And so it is important first to measure uh, whether there are any changes. And then secondly, to discuss with the veterinarian uh, how to mitigate uh, changes. Are we actually doing as good as last year or are we actually a bit yeah, doing a bit less uh, or are we uh, going towards the goals that we have set? Because it is re- what I often don't see at dairy farms is is really objectives. Uh, wh- where do I want to be in a year? Where do I want to be with my farm in, in five years? You need objectives. Because if you don't know where you want to be in five years, it's like driving a car. If you, if you want to go somewhere, you better know where you're going. Otherwise, you can never design a plan on how to get there. And so, so you need to design together with your veterinarian a plan, and with every on board, one on board on the on the on the farm, on on how to get there. Yeah, it's the old uh, the old saying: um, a goal without a plan is just a wish. Exactly. Yeah, but a plan without I don't know if there is an English saying on what a plan without a goal is. <laughs> <laughs> Because that is, I think, even worse. That's right. Yeah, no, that's that's fair comment, actually. It's really about, uh, and well, and I guess what I like about the risk assessment is, is simply having the conversation, like you say, with someone who's got a, a different set of eyes, you know, and, and it's not just the veterinarian. There's all sorts of people that have a different set of eyes when they come into a barn and, and things that strike them as important or a potential area of needing some uh, some work. And so there can be some benefit in having some open discussion about where you want to ho- where you want to head and then take some time to to really think about what are those goals and objectives and, and more importantly, how are you going to get there and how are you going to evaluate what success looks like? Yeah, and, and you know, and it's really important to um, have everybody involved. Yeah? Uh, our farms, particularly uh, here out west, are are a bit larger, and and we more uh, more and more get personnel on the farm now. And, and it is really important to to have re- have everybody involved in the discussion about these uh, these things. And the the other people on the farm need to implement it. But also, I find it really important that the, the, the rest of the family that is involved uh, with the farming activities also are part of the discussion. So we need to, be, to make sure that, that, that everybody on the farm, whether it's, it's a, a father and a son or a father and a daughter or two brothers, or, and also if there is a manager on the farm or a uh, or the milkers, that they know what the objectives are and how that we want to get there. And that they also have a say in, in, in making those objectives and also what the plan is to get there. So if we sort of think about summarizing some of this up, what, what, what might be one of your um, one or two pieces of advice for, for farmers that are listening out there, Herman? So the most important one, I think, is make objectives. Think about where you want to be in in five years and really discuss it among everybody involved on the farm. 
and have your veterinarian involved in those discussions and, and bring it up over and over again. Uh, this is not a one-time thing, and you need to really look at, okay, are, am I getting towards those uh, those objectives? And then also talk with other farmers. Go to meetings uh, uh, and, and really discuss and, and ask other farmers openly about yeah how they deal with uh, with problems yeah that's that's great advice i think we see time and time again in, in the meetings that we do and and certainly i hear from many producers that that there's a lot of value in learning from others certainly everyone's got a bit of a unique operation but they're all facing similar challenges in many respects and and one thing about farmers that i find consistent is they're very creative in, in the ability to find solutions that work for their exactly. situation and for others as well yeah, I really like uh, study groups, yeah, where uh, particularly the smaller study groups, where you put together everything on the table. And 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 one thing that I don't get is why people are so reluctant to put their economic results on the table. Yeah, it's it's we're in general doing okay in the dairy industry, and we know what the price of milk is. So why not compare from farm to farm? Uh, how uh, what the results are, and then discuss how why that neighbor actually uh, has a way better bottle line than, than than you have, and you can learn from each other uh, there. We were so reluctant uh, doing that, and 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 that that really is 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 a shame because you can learn a lot from each other. Farmers are smart, like you said, Steve. Uh, they they. They, they know how uh, how to do things. They're well educated, and so you can learn a lot from your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it comes down to to building trust, and that's why those study groups can really help. Uh, you get a small group together, and and you can build a bit of a, a bit of trust there, and open things up. I find that when I run those types of groups, most producers are very open uh, over over time to share that kind of thing, and they want to benchmark one another because if they're not doing as well as someone else's, they you know there's an opportunity to learn and, and maybe improve on their farm. So there can be mutual benefit. It's one of the advantages to a supply managed system, I think. Yeah, exactly, and 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 it is also a lot of fun to share with others. If you uh, had a problem and you found out how to deal with it, uh, and 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 it won't it won't affect the bottom line of your farm if if you if somebody else is going to adopt it. Yep, no, that's great advice. Well, uh, Herman, I think we'll end it there. Thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, I think a really nice perspective that applies to much more than biosecurity, but but for Canadian dairy farmers out there that are thinking a little bit more about implementing this on their farm and, and where they're headed, I think this is some sage advice for them to think about. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series. The focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal, provincial, territorial initiative. Thank you for listening.